This is our Suburb Trends report for March 2021 and we'll be looking at where prices are moving across the country and why they're moving. In this episode, we'll be discussing the anomalies, the outliers, what's not booming in a time when it seems prices are on the rise everywhere you look. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. And I'm the data geek, Kent Lava. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this this episode on the website, as well as download our free full or forecaster report, which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au. This month's focus is on the suburbs where prices are not rising, what the data is telling us and where it might be misleading us. Our reference point here is some data from realestate.com.au that lists the 10 suburbs with the largest median price falls in the 12 months to January 21. And we will include a link in the show notes to the article we're referring to. But uh, Kent, before we sort of, or as we kick off, I should say, what uh, what are we going to do with this data? How are we going to uh, evaluate it? Yeah, well, we're going to go through it and take a, a fairly critical view of this singular metric, which is the median at a suburb level. And and obviously, it does carry some risks. These guys, uh, you know, realestate.com.au do a, a great job with most of the things they do. But when it comes to a a median analysis, even though these suburbs do have more than 100 sales, um, so they're statistically significant by some measures. When you dig deep, we are going to find quite a few anomalies and we're going to actually call out that some of these suburbs don't deserve to be on the blacklist. Now, I'm just going to run through the list first so we, everyone sort of gets an understanding of what we're going to be talking about and then we can we can start sort of digging into it. So at the topping, topping the list, number one black spot, according to REA, um, Cairns North, units uh, with a percentage uh, change to median of negative 12%. Uh, Next is Auburn, New South Wales. So that's a Sydney suburb, uh, Western Sydney suburb units, uh, also minus 12. Redfern, which is an inner Sydney uh, suburb uh, units, uh, minus 10. Burpengary East, and I do apologise if I have pronounced that incorrectly. That is in Queensland. That is a suburb, Moreton Bay uh, area, just north of Brisbane. That's houses, minus 9%. Turak, I think we've all heard of Turak, Victoria, a uh, very wealthy, prestigious uh, Melbourne suburb. Units, minus 9%. Carlton, another inner city suburb of Melbourne, um, sort of somewhat comparable to Redfern, minus 8%. Dal Yellop. Is that how you say it? Uh, WA House, minus 8%. That's down in Bunbury. Newport, Queensland, that's also in Moreton Bay area, uh, minus 7% houses. Parramatta, New South Wales, units, minus 7%. That's uh, out of Sydney, uh, Western Sydney. And number 10, Fremantle, which is the south of Perth, south of it's in Perth still, actually, Fremantle, um, with houses minus 7%. So that's, that's what the list is. Let's go to the ones that don't belong there. Shall we start with them? 
Yeah, well, we'll go through them one by one, um, and I'll quickly go through Cairns North. I think Cairns North does mm-hmm. deserve to be there. Um, if I, what I like to do is zoom out a little bit and go out to the SA3 region, which is my common go-to. And the, the, the region for Cairns South has dropped by 20% uh, compared to the same period 12 months ago. And that's using a slightly different sampling methodology where I, I take a rolling three-month sample um, because you can when it comes to a, a, an SA3 region. So, uh, yes, that's gone down. Um, days on market is just a, another thing that we like to check and we say, okay, does that agree as well? Uh, that's trending down ever so slightly in the last three or four months. But if you compare it to where it was a year ago, yes. So what are we talking about days on up. market? How many? Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's about 60. Well, at the moment, it's it's over 100 days. Um, so, yeah, um, so it's 100 days. I think it was down to a, down below the 100-day mark when we zoom back about uh, 12 months so ago, it was on below average that. taking so, yeah. over three months to sell a property, a unit. Yeah, so it's a, so it's an interesting data there. Market conditions is my go-to though, um, as we often talk about, and yeah, it's currently sitting up around that eight-month mark, and that's been trending down a little bit in the last few months. So, in short, I would say Cairns North. Yep, you deserve to be on that list. I mean, these are pretty cheap and cheerful apartments, right? They're only a couple hundred grand. Is that sort of the median? Yeah, it, it's true. So, yeah, if we look at some of those prices, I'll just I'll go through my charts and I'll just have a quick look at the listing volumes on days on market. Let me just double check the days on market. Let me rephrase that. Sixty four. It came off, so it was one hundred and seven. It's actually come down a little bit, but we're still processing some data. So last month it was 102. So there we go. So I guess Cairns, if you're living in Cairns, you've got a family uh, or you're a couple houses, you know, are probably not that unaffordable, let's say. Um, So they're not going to buy these units. So I imagine a lot of these are people who have gone on holidays to Cairns and bought an investment property up there um, and thought they might come back and use it a lot more. Do you think that would be a lot of investors that own those apartments and no one's buying those apartments because no one's going on holidays up there. Sort of yeah, thing. lots of people. I know people who've done the same thing. Um, and I remember back to the pilot strike, oh, you know, yes. that's really showing <laughs> my age. But, you know, Cairns, Cairns was impacted substantially during that pilot strike. So well, for those same reasons today, it's being impacted. That is interesting, isn't it? And, you know, it's funny. You look at a map of, of um, Queensland and the distance from Brisbane to Cairns, I mean, you know, there are those people that they say that North Queensland should be a separate state and you can understand it. It's a long yep. way. And, uh, you know, if there's no other reason to go there other than to go on holidays and obviously there's mining and there's there's some industry up there, but, it, you know, it, it is a long way to go for a holiday and if you can't fly there, you're not going to go there, let's face it. I get what you're saying there because it's not, say, the Sunshine Coast where you potentially, you know, if you go to Brisbane, you can easily, mm. you live in Brisbane, you can easily go to the Sunshine Coast. But if you live in Brisbane, you're not going to Cairns. And it's like going on an overseas holiday, you know. It's quite a long flight sort of thing and you can't drive there sort of thing. So it is only a very one-dimensional sort of market uh, where it's not got a capital city that it's kind of piggybacking yeah. off like Central Coast. bit hard to work from home. bit hard to work from home and commute down to Brisbane one or two days a <laughs> yeah, week. Yes, a bit outside yeah. that range. Okay, so the next one on the list is Auburn units. So this is Western Sydney units. Yeah, so um, an interesting anomaly. Uh, when you track and measure the asking price or listing price and you look at that through time, 
sometimes they, it, can, it can split out and act a little bit differently than sale price. And, and, and one of my theories there is that people are cherry picking the lower price properties mm. in many markets. So effectively, if the, you know, if, the, if the asking price average has stayed fairly consistent over the last 12 months, but the sale price is going down, that's often the result of people cherry picking the lower price stuff to buy. So, so that's I think uh, Auburn is mm. is one of those examples. Now, um, you know, a year ago it was the typical asking price about five hundred and sixty-eight thousand. Today, give or take about five hundred and fifty. So yes, that's gone down. When I zoom out to that SA three region, which is also called Auburn, um, that's been fairly flat. So the sale prices there have been pretty much zero percent change. So. Um, based on the suburb data, I would agree that it deserves to be there. But again, you know, calling it out as a, a major drop or a 12% drop in you know, might be a little bit hard going. I think that sort of under 650 market in New South Wales was getting supported by the stamp duty exemption that was on established as well as new. Um, and so a lot of first home buyers you know, say 2020, 2019 sort of time, we're buying units. But a lot of those first-home buyers who were getting that stamp sheet exemption probably shifted their plans in 2020 and went away from units and thought maybe Central Coast or houses, et cetera. So do you think that's kind of played into it a little bit, Kent, where maybe they got a good run the year before and then maybe that sort of petered off a bit? Yeah, I think the narrative with apartments has changed a lot. Uh, in the last 12 months. So I think we're all seeing that. And, um, you know, there, there were always some odd stories or bad stories about construction issues. I think that probably was the first thing um, mm. when we're worried about all of these um, defects. But now it's turned on to is it a, is it a, a wise investment? And that narrative is very strong. Uh, I, you know, I look at some of these uh, user groups on Facebook and whatnot, and they all seem to be singing from the same hymn book. When it comes to talking about apartment, interesting because I'm just looking at the aerial map at the moment, which is one of your favourite pastimes, isn't it, Chris? And I can't see yeah. <laughs> a huge amount of new roofs. You know, like and that's sort of how you look for. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of houses there. There's there's units around the yeah. station, which is typical. Um, you know, and beyond that, I'm not seeing massive development in the same way you will in a lot of other areas. Um, and I think what you're saying there, Kent, about that, you know, that's such an interesting distinction between sale price and asking price. And, you know, you've always talked about compositional bias when it comes to median, you know, the median as a, as a, as a measure. In a, yeah, if there's all the cheaper properties selling, it's going to look like prices are falling. But if you're in that cheaper price bracket and you're trying to compete for something that's got a cap on it because everyone's trying to stay under a, under a, um, a threshold to get a benefit, then that's going to be highly competitive and, and there's going to be price rises within a segment of the market. So I think that's a really interesting distinction. Mm. And we got some doozies when we're talking about compositional bias um, and price distribution. We will some of our suburbs here are going to really stand out. But in terms of Auburn, price distribution, the most common bracket, 400 to 600, and it's a very normal mm. looking distribution. So, uh -huh. so that's Auburn. And I know Do you want to, you're about you to like to move? a very abnormal distribution now, aren't you? <laughs> I am. A great segue into Redfern. Now, now this was interesting. So uh, I couldn't make sense of it because, um, you know, it was calling out a fairly significant drop, but 
he didn't really agree with the inventory. Um, so, you know, it was down below the three mark, which is always a fairly strong market. And I dug a bit deeper. And when I looked at what was selling in Redfern about a year ago, there was a, a, a lot of very expensive, large, luxurious apartments selling for mm. some reason, for whatever reason, this time a year ago. Um, and those same profile or price bracket properties are not selling or haven't been selling in more recent months. So that seemed to be the root cause of it entering this nasty blacklist. So interesting, right? So the median got pushed up because there was more expensive sales. This year, not as many expensive sales, mediums dropped. Has the market dropped for expensive apartments? Maybe not. It's just mean they haven't sold as as Yeah, big. if they're not listed, yeah. you can't and buy And that's them. true. I've, I'm looking yeah. for one at the moment for a client. <laughs> it's, really, it's very, very scarce. Um, and, and that is, you know, years ago when I was selling real estate in Balmain and I'd have that argument with buyers around the fact you've got workers' cottages right up to waterfront homes and the same sort of thing happens there. You get a few waterfronts sell, the median goes up, you have a year where a couple would where none sells and the median goes down and people say, oh, Balmain prices are falling. It's like, oh, no, they're not. Um, but, yeah, Redfern is an interesting one too because there are, you know, there are a lot of units and, you know, there are certain yeah. parts of Redfern where there's quite a lot of units and there is some more development coming but it's still pretty landlocked, you know, and then, well, it's very landlocked but it, there's, on, there's only a, a limited um there's limited land to actually redevelop into units. Yeah. It'll be interesting though post-jab what might happen to places like Redfern mm. if it's affordable. Um, and I think the demographics are going to change, you know, as people kind of migrate out of the cities and then come back again. Who comes back and how much money have they got is yeah. going to be really interesting. Redfern per se is landlocked because you've got, you know, heritage houses on the sort of Newtown side and then you've got sort of Surrey Hills, um, which is sort of heritage houses as well on that side. But once you go south, you go into sort of Waterloo, Alexandria, um, and that area there is going to go through a massive sort is. of transformation, right? Yep. I mean, exactly. And there's a whole metro station going in there. Um, you know, you just have to search Waterloo Estate and there's big five towers. There's a huge argument going on on what's happening there. So I think, yeah, red firm per se, but if you just go a little bit further south, I think – there's a lot very true. It's what it borders onto, and Alexandria is having that problem mm. now. Alexandria is a huge suburb, um, and you've got the established mm. part, which has got some lovely streets, a mix of houses and apartments, and really Beautiful well streets. and thoughtfully um, yep. developed as well. You know, all, all similar level, and and then you've got over the sort of the next part of it, which is enormous, and it's all being redeveloped industrial land. And it's and it's unfortunate yeah. for the established part of Alexandria because that is now being tarred with the same brush as everything else, but it's a completely different kettle of fish. So, yeah, anyway. So a bit, mm. I think it's a bit tough on Red Fern yeah, entering agreed, the blacklist. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, Burpengera East, and I had to get out the map to see where this was. Is <laughs> yes, <laughs> up in the uh, SA three region of Caboolture, and that particular region, the house price median has jumped up by plus eleven well, percent minute, for hang houses. On a because um, I just wanted to say this actually, Burpengary East is on the list for houses, not units. This is the first area for houses. Just just pulling that distinction out. Yeah, so um, it's a it's look the, the market conditions is probably the thing that I always go to first, and yes, they are up around that close to that nine month mark and have been for some time. And you go back and it, it's 
remained fairly flat uh, up up around that nine or ten month mark. So, um, a, you know, massive volumes of listings a couple of years ago. So there's you know you you had 110 odd properties um, for sale on average a couple of years ago, and it's still been fairly significant. You know, up around 80 or 90 properties for sale on average. So it's just one of those things. Lots and lots of supply, but it's a it's a different market when you look at some mm. of the properties for sale there's a massive difference between property sales and lots of those retirement style houses or, or um, you know caravan park type temp, uh, housing that appeals to retirees as well that get listed as houses ah. which is really odd i'm looking at this as well um you know kent and you've got on the north side of the suburb, you've got new house and land packages that are probably 300 squares, 400 squares at best. And also at the south side, um, you know, these little pockety, and this is what the satellite which you were referring to before, Veronica, mm. it's just such a valuable tool to understand markets when you can't get on the road yourself. Um, and even then you wouldn't really be able to understand it. But then you've got this beautiful area in the middle where you've got I know, you know, I was lots, looking you know, at so that. It- and yeah great houses and good you know it looks like it's a great place to little live and so that's probably you can easily see you know people in burp and gary gary um you know in the middle in those bigger houses do you think their house prices are falling probably not but because you've got this new supply you know in the north and the south there's really nowhere near those good houses um it's really affecting the figures and you know, giving it a bad rap. When it's it really stark too. And, and this is, I know, as I said, you know, you sort of got me into looking at satellites a bit, Chris, because you kept talking about it. But like <laughs> if you, literally if you get onto the map and have a look and you go to the northern part of the suburb, as you say, and you can actually see these subdivisions where I reckon these little, mm. these little blocks in the previous, in the older section, you probably would have got three houses to a block. And on this, oh, sure. I'm looking at... Um, 20, 20 wow. houses <laughs> yeah. on a block. And also what's funny is that on those other ones, the established areas where the, the blocks are enormous and they've got every house pretty much has got a pool, you're looking at these ones and yeah. so many of them, the roof is so large there's no space for a pool. And you think. No. And I, I remember some of the biggest LMI claims we ever paid were always these really small blocks. Yeah. You know, you could pay three sense. or four claims in one street. It's heartbreaking. So this is yeah. Burpin Garrett Gary East. But once again, like you say, if you look, there's a dis, there's a distribution distribution of different type property in that area. And so you do have to get in there and understand the breakdown and what it is that's actually um, selling and then translating into sale sold data, which is then affecting the median price. Yeah. So I'd say for, for Burp and Gary East, the right. jury is Got out. It. Whether it Got it. <laughs> yeah. um, the next one on my list is Turak units. Now, this is a doozy because the, the one to look at here is the price segment chart. And it is a it's almost you could say this is four different distinct mm. markets. Mm. So, you know, you, yes, you have a significant proportion of sales that exist below 1 million, but then you've got a distribution that runs all the way up above mm. 3 million. And, and it's, it's a, just a fascinating suburb. So I really would, would call this one out and say, I don't think it deserves to be on the list at all because when you zoom out to the SA3 region of Stonington West, um, it's up 14%. So, you know, it, it, the region itself seems to be doing quite well, or well, the SA3 area. Uh, 
Um, the, the market conditions for, uh, for units for Turak are below four months. So again, that would signify a fairly strong market, not I know, crazy I know booming. Every but, time you say okay. that, Kent, I go, oh, no. It, it's, I know you're using sort of statistical, um, you know, commonly accepted benchmarks, whereas I look at that and go, four months yes. to sell a property? <laughs> Get real. That's a, that's a terrible market, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely a buyer's market. Um, but, yeah, I think I um, – you know, quite often when you look at your distribution charts, so so those price segmentation graphs that you have in suburb trends, actually it's on Property Nerds, isn't it? And we'll no, I've got I've got them. I can I whenever I spin up our reviews that we're talking about today, I put them on the suburb trend site. You can just click through each mm-hmm. slide, and they're interactive. So if anyone wants to eyeball the stuff that we're talking about, they're all on our uh, Yeah, we've got the link tab. in the show notes. And I love that, as I've said it many, many times. But say you look at Surrey Hills and, and Turex probably the same, it, it's not a nice bell curve. You know, when, when you got that idea of a, a bell curve, so most buyers are going to be in the middle and then there's it's going to sort of nice gradually tail out. So you've got, you know, small amount of really low um, price properties, a small amount of really high price properties. And then you have something like Turak or, as I said, Surrey Hills or even Darlinghurst in Sydney, you know, places where you've got some seriously expensive apartments and you've got seriously cheap ones at the same time yeah. and you've got these, these disparate segments of the market that they don't fit in a lovely bell curve, do they? No. And when you try and get one of those automated valuation models to give you a free price estimate in a market like that, yeah. that's always a lead indicator that's yeah. going to misbehave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Low confidence. <laughs> yeah, <is> yeah. <laughs> I think this is apartments worth between yeah. 500000 and Thanks $2 million. <laughs> yeah. And $7 million. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder about, I mean, I was quite vocal on the Stuart Weens podcast around my sort of, I'm not sure about the apartment market is going to bounce back as strong in Melbourne um, and and quality apartments in Melbourne are going to perform as good as quality houses. And, you know, Turak's one of those areas where, um, you know, are a lot of buyers in Melbourne who potentially would have bought in Turak now thinking they want more space now willing to go a little bit further, now want the housing market. and But you always think about f- young families. And so what about downsizers who are uh, who are actually getting out of their big Turak home and don't want to leave the area? Uh, got lots of options. They've, you know, there's lots of options for apartments, hence why there's four, <laughs> four months of stock on the market. Um, there's, you know, there's not a shortage of like inherent, like undersupply of apartments. They've built a lot of apartments. And a lot of them might even want new apartments um, you know, in those areas, they want the more the bigger sort of three beds. So probably that top price segment that you're talking about. If you're in Turak and you're leaving Turak, you want that sort of two million mm. plus probably apartment, um, which isn't the six hundred thousand apartments where the first home buyers go. So that's mm. the ones I'm worried about. The, the beautiful big older apartments that have got views that are you know prestige buildings in prestige streets. Yeah, absolutely. They will always do really well because of that downsizer, but. I just wonder about those sort of the cheap and cheerful small red box. I think too calling out here that there's apartments and there's townhomes that and they all get thrown in. Or oh, and villa Skyhomes. villa yeah. units. Yeah. I mean Victoria's got a slightly different mix of apartments. I like yeah, those. It's got land content. Yeah. <laughs> um, now how about we talk about oversupply? 
Carlton units, if you look at what's for sale there, there are an abundance of, uh, of the uh, bedsitter style one bedders. Um, so, so many. So, I think that might have something it to might. do with students yes. not being here. <laughs> yep, bang in the University of Melbourne. Um, yeah. So, yes, a lot of property that's been built specifically with that market in mind and this is when um, I guess the frailties of having only one type of buyer, one type of tenant um, is exposed really in this sort of market, right? So I think I think with Carlton we can definitely say, yes, uh, all the other supporting indicators say it deserves to be on the list. Um, probably the big thing to, to look at though is um, when you've suddenly got a, a, an onslaught of a different style of property. So suddenly you go from one and two bedroom property selling a year or two ago to the the listings and sales being swamped by bedsits. Um, that mm. does have an impact on price. However, when we look at the overall market, it is the market conditions are in in a very significant oversupply position. I think the thing with Carlton as well, it literally is bordering the CBD. Um, so you could live in Carlton mm. and walk to work in the city, no problems at all. Um, so you almost, that gets imp- uh, impeded by all the city sort of apartments. And Melbourne's definitely gone in an inner city apartment boom, not so much like Sydney. Sydney's sort of, the apartments they build in the city are usually very ex- expensive and they're sort of hitting that downsizer market we spoke about. But in Melbourne, it was cheap and cheerful. Let's just get it up. There's no restrictions on building height, you know, within reason. Um, and so there's a lot of apartments for residential that have been built in the city plus neighbouring suburbs, Docklands, Carlton, yeah. um, et cetera. All right, Daniela, WA. Yes, well, I struggle to pronounce this, so I think you've done I a hope. really good job. Um, <laughs> I hope I haven't offended anybody. <laughs> I did. Yell up. Oh, I, I did look <laughs> it up, how to pronounce it. It's actually, I think it's, I found it online, how to pronounce it, forgot. but I still struggle. <laughs> a bad review um, for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the region uh, that it belongs to is uh, Bunbury, Bunbury. That's the SA3 region. Now, that particular region has actually jumped up by 8% over the last 12 months. Again, that's using that 90-day rolling median. Um, so uh, it does look like it's done quite okay. The asking price, um, 365K, seems about where it was a year ago. So um, the last thing I then like to look at is, you know, what's the inventory uh, level or, or market conditions? And yeah, they're a little bit higher, but trending down. So um, if I kind of look back about a year ago, it was around eight or nine months of inventory. And now that's getting down just slightly below eight. So it's not boom conditions, but I wouldn't say it's crash conditions either. So it's a fairly stable and modestly improving market. So, okay, Bunbury is a long way south of Perth. And this is all new-ish subdivision. What, where are the people working that live here? Uh, I didn't look that up. I'm going to throw that to Chris and hope that Chris did that homework. Do you know, Chris? Is it mining? I'm guessing. I mean, it's quite far, right? Yeah, it's a long way south. It's quite far. It's kind of almost down towards uh, Margaret River sort of way. It's not as far, but, yeah, it's, I mean, is it retirees sort of moving down there and, you know, trying to look at a lockup sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's a it's a funny place, right? It's in the middle of in the middle of two sort of areas. Sort of nowhere. And and most of the properties are selling below four hundred. And they have some very interesting street names. And I just have to um, you know, so 
Eva Fairway, Harold Way, they're the normal ones. Then you've got, hang on, now I've lost it, Kepfer Approach, Eclipse Bend. <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. Tatus Link, Sepia Approach. So <laughs> anyway, look. Obviously, there's a theme going on. We uh, yeah, just don't exactly get it. right, uh, and obviously, we don't get who's living there, and so it's sort of interesting. There is a primary school, so it can't all be retirees. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting. Um, it is miles away, really, and even it's it's a satellite suburb, really, of Bunbury as well. You know, there's quite a big gap between it and even the next sort of lot of suburbs. So it's kind of been a, a long term seller's market um yeah and I probably there's probably two stage market mm. there as well it's on the beach so you've got things that are you know you wake up in the morning get your coffee and just go for a walk along this really nice long beach and then you've got maybe 500 meters to a sort of kilometer back where you know, yeah. maybe a bit too far from the beach so you're not getting that walking there um mm. you know before work let's say uh, and then you got lots of supply coming. Did I just and say? So, did I just say long term? I meant to say long term buyers, mate. Oh, oh I, I was thinking I that anyone myself. who's selling is yes. long term because it's going to take a while. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> hey, whatever. I just want to correct that. I don't know why that came out of my mouth. Do you want to? Do you want to move Absolutely. on to Newport? So Newport, back up into Queensland, back up into Moreton Bay territory. So the uh, the region, the SA three region, belongs to is Redcliffe, um, and that region has actually jumped up 10% in the last 12 months. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, the uh, asking price, this is the listing prices for the for houses in Newport, Queensland, about 667000 today versus 638000 a year ago. So what that tells me is that there's been some cherry picking of the lower price properties, um, hence the reason why it's Showing up as minus seven percent on their list, but I would say that there's a bit of a I, there's a challenge on here to say it may not be deserved to be on the list. May not deserve it. This is an easy one, Kent. I mean, you look at the sort of map. You've got that. Uh, you mm. know, if anyone's been to sort of Gold Coast, all those houses that are on the, yeah. on the water where you, on the canals exactly. You can have your jet ski and cruise around, or I know I don't know what sort of people do on those canals. <laughs> jet but anyway, ski um, in in Newport. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Play with the bull sharks. Yeah. yeah. So that's on the, the western side and the, on the eastern side, sorry. And then on the western side, Stockland, um, nothing in Scotland, uh, Stockland. Um, a lot of dirt. Know, huge, nothing <laughs> special about them. And it is just yeah. going house and land packages. So, you know, Newport's one of those suburbs you were talking about, Kent, where it's just pointless to do because it's two markets. You've got canal life versus flat life near the canals and it's just two different things you can't compare apples and oranges so yeah so market conditions have been improving in the last Mm. four or five months so you know they were well above a year worth of inventory Uh, and again my measurements of inventory don't favor house and land areas and i don't apologize for it i just like to call it out but it's kind of improved so it's still high though it's up around that 10 month mark so i would probably say yes it, it 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 should be in there, but you'd you'd want to enter it into a list like this with lots of disclaimers rather than going one-dimensional. I personally just don't hate I hate seeing Newport in any listings, even if it's in a different state, because that's pretty much where Such I live. So um, full of beautiful if, people. I don't want to get Newport uh, wrapped up into anything bad, so I might write to REA to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Change the suburb name. It does show, though, how you do need to get into the nitty-gritty to understand what's going on. And, like, particularly with this Newport, Queensland, not Newport, New South Wales, um, yes, you do have that canal area which is established and, um, you know, it's all built basically. And then you got to the, to the western side, as you said, there, Chris, a whole, you know, a, a new subdivision which given, I don't know when this satellite, actually is the satellite always current? Is that how it works or is it basically snapped and then it gets repeated, it gets fixed you can get really current ones, which is like near map. Yeah, you've got to sure. pay the money yeah. for that. But you have to pay the big dollars. And um, there are obviously a lot of people are paying the big dollars because their share price from memory I last looked at it was <laughs> doing all right. Um, but, yeah, this Google map yeah. does do snapshots for you. But they are doing a very cool thing where it's um, 3D uh, in, say, Sydney and other areas where you can not only see just from one dimension sort of above, you can start seeing cool. angles and things like that. So Yeah, so but when you're looking it, at the Google um, satellite it. image for Newport and you can see, right, well, in most places if you've got a subdivision going next to an established area and the established area has been selling at X price and, and there's nothing special about it like like being on the waterway, then when the subdivision gets released, typically the new properties get sold at a premium because they're new and it looks like the median's going up. But in this case, you've got the established areas on a canal, which would be selling at a premium compared to this new subdivision. And so when the new subdivision gets sold, it makes it look like the median's going down. It's, uh, yes, it's, it's just, that's the problem with medians. Yeah, but also, as I said, get in there and understand what's going on in the marketplace. Okay, next one, Parramatta Units. Lot, talk about back to oversupply. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I've, I've been out to Parramatta a couple of times in the last couple of months and it's one very, very large mm. construction zone. Um, lots of people with lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I, I was actually watching something, what was it, about about the Parramatta River and the flood zone. Um, oh, I can't remember what the show was. It was actually quite interesting because these buildings have all been built to basically, you know, put in a one in a hundred year flood, they could flood up to the, the first level or something. It's like, wow, and yet they're still building them, you know, it's that, that close to the river. Catch the lift yeah, up. Well, clearly they have to have a watertight Just lift. walk upstairs. But, um is that possible? It's all right. We'll pass over. <laughs> anyway, I just was a little bit fascinated by that. I, it, there's a whole, you know, the, the council's out educating people what to do if there's a massive flood and everything. I'm thinking, why are we still building, you know, big apartment buildings right next to a river? Uh, anyway, that's just a side issue. Parramatta is such an interesting one, right, because a few years ago we were getting uh, people that the Parramatta story was quite rife, mm. you know, maybe say 2016, 2017, Sydney's getting too expensive, you need a second CBD, Parramatta's the answer, um, et cetera. But when you look at it from the map, it's literally in the city, single story sort of shops. So, you know, over time there's so much land available. Um, so as one tower is built, another one gets built and they can even spread to the surrounding suburbs um, where there's already a lot of apartments, et cetera. So it's one of those things that, you know, as soon as prices go up, mm. developers will start building again. And so then you get more supply and then you get flatlining of prices. So I imagine a similar thing's going to happen in Parramatta CBD, if you want to call it that, um, to Melbourne CBD apartments where you just get flatlining of prices over 10, 15, 20 years. So you've got to be very careful buying apartments around Parramatta when there's just so much supply that is bound to come on as soon as there's demand. Well, there's a, the new light rail infrastructure is going in now and you can see how it's going to link up to a lot of uh, new dev sites. 
uh, out near the race course at Rose mm. Hill, et cetera. So, you know, the supply be. is going, the, the supply opportunity for de- developers is going to be huge. And look, market conditions are deteriorating. So in terms of, um, you know, my measurement of inventory, uh, it's consistently been uh, increasing month on month over the last 12 months. So yeah, it's 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 above the ten month mark, which is you know, uh, yeah. So that, it's, it's a lot of off the plan mm. people would have been burnt here because they got at low vowels. Um, you know, they would have purchased something at say what six fifty, seven hundred, sort of. You know, the more expensive apartments, um, newer buildings, uh, got a low vowel, and then the price of the property hasn't risen, and if not fallen. So a lot of first home buyers uh, fell for the you know government incentives here. You also have investors. Uh, and then they're stuck. They can't sell the apartment because they make a loss and they've lost everything. So, so I'd, I, we, I'd leave Parramatta on the list. Yes. And number 10, <laughs> drum roll. The last yeah. one, Fremantle. I, you said Fremantle. I try and say Fremantle. Oh, how about I just say um, Frio? Uh, Isn't that what the locals Frio. call it? Are, you allowed, are we allowed? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so um, all the indicators for me over the last 12 months say that market conditions have actually been improving. So, mm. you know, inventory levels look very healthy um, and have been trending in the right direction. Listing volumes have been going down. So, um, you know, I think there's give or take 30-odd average. You probably see about 30 properties for sale at the moment. But if you went back um, a year ago, you'd, you'd find over 50. And if you went back, a, you know, a couple of years ago, you'd probably get close to 60. So, yeah. Um, you know, things are looking okay there and, you know, asking prices or, or, sorry, sale prices in the region, and the region is also called Fremantle, have jumped up by 11%. So I'm going to jump to the conclusion that that one is unfairly listed. Makes sense though, right? Like not far over the bridge, you start getting into Cottesloe, mm. which is arguably one of the best, yeah. sub, best suburbs in Britain, Perth. Um, Frio is on just south of that, you know, it's got the beach, it's got everything. I mean, I think you're right, Ken. Like I look at that and go, how's that even possible? And then when you do zoom out um, and everything I'm hearing about Perth in the more premium end of Perth and the, the housing market, it's starting to go really strong. So that doesn't uh, add up to me. Yeah, and when you read that, that the headline kind of, it's, it's, it's a very clickbaity, you know, property prices are plummeting, lots of P's in it. Um, but, mm. you know, I just think, it's just not fair if you're a, a buyer's agent or a real estate agent or a valuer trying to talk to somebody who's absorbing these headlines. It's just, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like these types of Well, we papers. don't like them either and we're, we are actually, Chris and I are currently writing the full forecaster report for 2021 and that's where we really look at all these sorts of things, these predictions. These Well, these aren't really predictions but, the, you know, they do um, – you know, this is one-dimensional data, as you say, and it does encourage people to make bad decisions. And, I mean, I was talking to a client last night, for instance, and he's trying to say, well, you know, what if we're looking at properties in Paddington and Redfern and Surrey Hills, et cetera, and, or Balmain, and he's like, well, what if Paddington goes up more than Balmain? And I'm like, what you've got to understand is fundamentally the dynamics are pretty much the same in both suburbs and it's the individual choice of property that is going to make the difference you know, whereas when you look at this sort of data in in a year, two years, three years, whatever, there's going to be a difference in terms of the median growth. And that's really going to have no bearing on how an individual property did or didn't and will or won't perform. 
you know, and so people are looking at this data to try to give themselves confidence that they're making good decisions, but it, 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 it's useless. But if you're comparing, say, you know, Balmain and Paddington growth potential to, say, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're looking in, I'm just plucking, I don't want to get in trouble here, but maybe you're saying, oh, well, I want to look at, at Newcastle instead or I want to, <laughs> hey, just throw that in. You've, you've mentioned Newcastle. New That's Lampton. great. I didn't if, if say gonna, it you once. Know, like, well, I think New Lampton's going to do better than, you know, it's like it's, A, it's ridiculous, no one can predict these things, but it's also the reality is that they're in these biggest areas, SA3s, as you say, there's socioeconomic drivers, there's population drivers, there's economic drivers, there's all these sort of drivers that basically means that the areas as a whole generally does points in the same direction and and it it really does come to that individual property selection. So anyway, there you go. What else, have you got any anomalies other than what we were talking about, the things that don't belong on the list? Do you have any other anomalies you want to talk about? Yeah, look, I think my anomaly is that sometimes you can have an asking price that's entirely stable or going in one direction, but the selling price or the sold price goes in another direction. And it's because people uh, are in that particular market or in some of those examples, cherry picking the lower price properties to purchase. And hence the reason why you get a sold price meeting going in a very different direction. Mm. And you um, also mentioned there's a house market region that you'd like to highlight as a falling price and high inventory, that it, what's that? Yeah, up, up north, mm. way up north um, So uh, of Queensland. So impacted by the, uh, impacted by the um, uh, tourism uh, uh, issues. Yeah. yeah, so up around Port Douglas. So it is, it is yeah. being impacted. Horrible. I mean, maybe people are selling their holiday homes, um, you know, because it's not somewhere easily commutable, say, to work, or they can have a second home, you know. In the GFC, a lot of holiday mm. homes got smashed, you know, especially where I'm up around the Northern Beach yep. sort of peninsula um, and other pockets because everyone's like, well, I'll get rid of that, you know, need the cash, need to keep on paying my mortgage on my first house and school fees and things like that. Um, but maybe that that's the sort of holiday home where people can't easily sort of commute to from the city so they they just got rid of it. This has been a problem area for some time, you know, like so and I think when we were filming the show, so we first started filming end of 2010 and we the last episodes we filmed, I remember I think it was 2014, right? And so we did do, we didn't do Port Douglas but we did do sort of around Trinity Beach, Clifton Beach, that that area. Um, We also Mm. did Northern Beaches. And so we're talking in the years, not immediately after the GFC, but certainly very close, right? Or 2010 was immediately after. And going up to the Northern Beaches, so two different areas, but first the Northern Beaches, it, there was like literally a sign on nearly every third house. And and that was the case mm. for a number of years. In fact, you know, probably till fairly recently, to be honest. And then, so it takes a long time for that stock to get absorbed. Um, into in new buyers, and yeah. then then with the up when we were up in far north Queensland, we did a couple of episodes. You one in Cairns, did one in uh, Mission Beach, even further away, like two hours from Cairns, and um, and that one I'm talking around, sort of Clifton Beach, Palm Cove, that area. You know, there were properties up there that were on the market that were selling for less, not just less than what it would cost to build, but a lot less than what it cost them to build. You know, so you're actually getting the land at a discount with a house thrown in for free. 
And you just think, and there was a lot of that, a lot of it. And, you know, you just think, wow, I'm not sure I really want to invest, (laughs) commit to an area that that can happen. Yeah, I think what's happened up where I am is that it's now moved mm. into owner-occupier-driven market than a second home. Well, a second homes are actually more desirable now because of work from home. So that's, you know, I will get a set. Uh, I in the pre-COVID world, I would only go and use it on weekends, and even some weekends I couldn't use it because of <clears throat> yeah, kids' sport or something like that. Um, but now people are saying, well, actually, I can work there two days a week plus I can do the weekends, and so then that makes that second home sort of more on the cards plus the owner occupiers and you know as Sydney becomes more expensive people are having to you know go further away from the city hence why the owner occupiers are moving further up so um, but yeah I think that's interesting the Cairns area the whole holiday from home uh, at home sort of story that we're seeing everywhere once people are happy to get back on planes um, and they've already traveled to everywhere else in their state from their city um, you know maybe the the Cairns area will do quite well um you know, the tourism market will bounce back if we, we start holidaying home. So I think it'd be interesting to see how 2021 goes for these areas. Yeah, I just think it, it depends on a lot of international tourists as well. So and it's yeah. and it's one of the areas we called out very early in the piece because of the high proportion of employment uh, in tourism mm. and hospitality. Yeah. So but um, you know, it is way up there in both housing inventory, up around one year of, of inventory. Uh, unit inventory up there has jumped way up. So it was around 10 months. It's up close to 14 months for units as well. So that's Port Douglas, mm. Daintree. Um, it does take a long time to sell a property, you know, 136 days on average at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's 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 in a, a little bit of trouble. But um, in the past, it has bounced back. So what's going to be interesting, uh, we're interviewing Eliza Owen in a few weeks because there's the um, pain and gain report, which, you know, everyone knows other than our own full of horsecaster. That's my favourite report. And that will be coming out. We'll be talking about what's that's showing because this is going to be an interesting, interesting actually to see where uh, properties are losing money and the difference in the difference in percentage as well. And I guess we could almost predict what we're going to see based on some of this data that we're talking about here, hey? Yes, exactly. Um, it's always good on the gain side because you see some um, gems of properties that haven't been touched for 50 years that they've just made squillions on. Well, well, well. Okay, that is a very interesting uh, overview of the largest price declines by some, <laughs> which not all belong in the list. So thanks so much, Ken. What, what are we going to talk about next month? I know I've just chucked you on the spot here because we haven't discussed this. So what, do, what should we talk about next month? Well, I'd, I'd kind of like the idea of you know, trawling through the internet and finding these top 10 lists that everyone loves to put out and then picking on them. <laughs> picking them apart. Yeah, so I, I think we could continue with this particular theme unless, Chris, have you got any? Should we go the other way though, not what's going down but what's going up and um, start to see whether that's sort of fair to have them all on the list as well? Let's do that. Okay, so we're looking at the top 10 price rising suburbs across the nation next month. Okay, on that note, we could better say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See you next month. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, 
thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey. And most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.